guys, what is up? Welcome to the GOAT Podcast. What a great vacation it has been. Uh, but we are ready to get together for a special episode. I have asked uh, Monica Teske to join me, which is actually a lie. Monica gave me this idea, and then we just said we we're going to throw it under the GOAT Podcast because GOAT stands for going on a tangent, and we're going to go on a tangent in this episode about a very particular topic that is very important and I'm going to let Monica decide how she kind of wants this to go first. Do you want me to lead with what I know about the NFL side of this topic, or do you want to go first? You should go ahead with the NFL side since this is your NFL podcast. Okay, so many of you might remember back when we were still in our you know daily shows that we would do Monday through Friday. Shameless plug, go back, listen to those if you haven't, and see how well we did with the NFL draft coverage. We covered the scandal that was the Detroit Lions gambling, and it essentially came out like right after we were going on and saying we thought the Detroit Lions were going to be a very big contender in their division this season, and then all of a sudden, uh, like the next day, four or five of those players were suspended, and they were suspended for gambling, and it was, if I remember correctly... They were gambling at the facility, not on NFL games, but they were gambling at their own facility. And Monica, strap in, because before we get to you, uh, um, I did my research, all right? And some of you might be thinking, why are we covering this? We already covered it. Well, it happened again. <laughs> um, Isaiah Rogers was caught gambling on Colts games, if I understand correctly, on the outcome of those games. And they're now probing into the entire Indianapolis Colts, you know, franchise, personnel, staff, players, all of that to make sure there's nothing that they've missed. And so we decided to kind of go back through and look at this stuff. I have the NFL's gambling policy, Monica, from 2018. Let's go. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But I want to point this out first. There have been, according to an article on usatoday.com, and I know it's usatoday.com, but still, bear with us. There have been, how many players do you think, Monica, that have been suspended in the NFL in league history for gambling? I don't know digits it is they probably 20 maybe if you minus 10 you'd have that correct it's 10 now i'm gonna ask you because i'm gonna tell you the ones that have been suspended since 2018 and mainly it's the lions player the players that we know Probably Isaiah Rogers. We haven't heard about him yet, so it's probably eleven now. I should I should clarify. It's eleven. Shaka Tony, you remember Shaka Tony from the Commanders? Uh, he's also been suspended. So those are the players we know that have been suspended. Do you know how many players were suspended prior to the 2018 gambling amendment? Three. Three really? Three. Listen to their names. The first one was Alex Karras. Yes, the guy who was ended up in Webster, the TV show. Uh, he was suspended in 1963 for a full season because he made some bets on games. He played for the Detroit Lions. There's a little trend there. Uh, 
Paul Hornung. I'm sorry if I said your name wrong, Paul. He's probably not living anymore. This is 1963. But um, Roselle suspended this guy in the same year for betting on NFL games. And listen to this. Per USA Today Sports, he gambled upwards of $500,000. Just kidding. It was five hundred. dollars But it's still, back then, that's a lot of money. And then the last player was 20 years later, 1983. Art uh, Schlichter. And he was a, a quarterback, I believe, that was supposedly he had lost like $389,000 to bookies in the Baltimore area. My uh, my computer froze up on me here, so it's kind of making it difficult to find the, the article again. Let me close out and go back to it. Um, but he, he lost $389,000. Make sure that's right. Yeah, to Baltimore area bookies. So – he was a quarterback, by the way. Then it goes dormant. The very next one, do you know who his, what his name is? The next player to be suspended for gambling? It was after this 2018 gambling policy, which we're going to dive into together. His name is Josh Shaw. Yeah. Josh Shaw, uh, he was injured in 2019, and while he was injured, he bet on NFL games while he was with the Cardinals. He ended up being suspended for a full year, and I'm pretty sure that kind of tanked his status as a player. I, I don't know Josh Shaw. I don't know. Do you? I mean, have you heard of him at all? No, okay. I haven't. Then, of course, the most famous one prior to the Jamison Williams would have been the Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiver, Calvin Ridley. And he was suspended for an entire season, but was eventually reinstated due to the NFL's rules on betting. So, for Monica's sake, I'm going to share my screen, and I'm going to let her see the gambling policy in the NFL um, and be able to look at this. This is from 2018. Um, Some of you might be thinking, wow, how do you get that? Google. Uh, Google is phenomenal. Um, I mean, I literally just typed in gambling policy NFL, and this popped up. So in 2018, the NFL sent out the following memo talking about how they were committed to maintaining the integrity of the NFL, its games, clubs, players, coaches, and other league and club personnel, and gambling presents potential risks, they said. So they they define the terms first for what gambling would be considered going forward. So gambling is the wagering of money and or something else of value on an event with an uncertain outcome with the intent of winning additional money or things of value. Generally, gambling involves all three of the following elements. There's a prize, uh, an item of value that's offered to the winner. It could include money, other goods and services, or anything of value regardless of the amount of such value. The chance of the the winner or the prize, uh, let's see here, is uncertain at the time the wager is made. So you're not really sure, you know... Who's going to win? The use of exercise of skill, strategy, and or knowledge, uh, unless it completely negates the element of chance, does not convert any activity into something other than gambling. Then there's the consideration. In order to receive a chance to win the prize, the participants provide or risk something of value. And so this means betting on sports events, other athletic competitions, placing wagers at sports books, similar establishments, betting on card, dice, video games, including poker and any of its variations, playing casino games, slot machines, blackjack, keno, roulette, uh, you know, other games that are out there, betting on racing and animal horses, 
um, <laughs> betting on animal racing and fighting or participating in sports pools. This includes commercial gambling uh, that involves third parties, so bookies, dealers, the, the house, proverbially speaking, as well as private wagers between teammates, family, and friends or others. It includes, without limitation, wagers made in person, remotely, via telephone or the internet, or the third party surrogate. Now, participation in these um, for prizes generally is not considered to be gambling or a gambling-related activity provided that there is no wagering on the outcome. So let's point out what the NFL deems to be gambling activities. Number one, there can be no illegal gambling. They're strictly prohibited from participating in or facilitating any form of illegal gambling. And here are the restrictions on legal gambling the NFL put out. You can't bet on football games. That are in the NFL. You're not allowed. Any personnel of the NFL cannot place, solicit, or facilitate any bet directly or indirectly through a third party on any NFL game, practice, or other event. This includes betting on game outcome, statistics, score, performance of any individual participant, or any other kind of proposition bet on which wagering is offered. Betting on other sports. They're further prohibited from placing, soliciting, facilitating bets on any professional uh, international or college and Olympic sports competition tournament or event. Game fixing. NFL personnel shall not throw or fix any NFL game in any way to influence outcome, statistics, or score. So you can't fix a game. Uh, you also cannot do something that they call is uh, best effort. You can't go out there and not give it your best. You got to go out there and do that. You can't give any inside information and tipping. Um, you can't gamble in the workplace. That's what got Jamison Williams in trouble. They were gambling at the team facility, and therefore it was something that he wasn't allowed to do because it was the workplace itself. Then there were sports books, endorsements and promotional appearances, associations, gifts and services, and the permitted non-sports gambling is they may visit and place non-sports wagers at legally operated casinos and horse or dog racing tracks on a personal time, including during the season. Now, I kept reading because it gets to the employment and ownership interests, and I found the following to be very interesting. Monica, you see down here at the bottom, what's that section called? See football. So most of you may not know, but we don't gamble when we play fantasy football. There's no prize. Everybody years ago put in like 10 to $15, we bought a trophy, and we play for that trophy. That's it. No money exchanges hands season to season. I never do anything like that. I'm only involved in free fantasy football leagues. Watch what the NFL put in here. NFL personnel may not, in the first place, accept prizes with a value in excess of $250 in any season-long fantasy football game, meaning... You can't have some pot that gets larger than $250. You know, some people say there's a buy-in for the league at $25 a person. If you've got 10 people, that's the most that you can make the buy-in. If you've got 12 people, an NFL player or personnel could not participate in that. Some leagues are more interesting, I guess we should say. They go upwards of $3,200 of dollars that are buy-in, and the prizes get bigger and bigger. NFL personnel is not allowed to do that. 
Secondly, they're not allowed to participate in any daily or other similar short-duration fantasy football games that offers any price, regardless of value. They're not allowed to play. I mean, they could literally win a keychain, and they're, they're not allowed to do that. And then third, they're not allowed to participate in any fantasy football game, including daily, season-long, or any other game format, in a jurisdiction where such participation is prohibited by applicable law or regulation. So all of that being said, there's reporting obligations that are listed in here. Um, you know, it's it's a five-page document, you know, that basically there are severe penalties in violation mode where you can have a fine, termination of employment, or banishment from the NFL for life. So let's go back now to the article that talks about the players that have been suspended because there were three – prior to 2018 in the NFL history. And there were two in one season and then another 20 years later. Since this policy went live, there's been eight. We've had eight players, because you have to assume Isaiah Rogers is getting suspended. You have to. So he's going to be the eighth player that has been suspended since this policy's come out. I'm not a math guy. You're the math person on the network. But I can do this math. It's very simple. If you put out a policy that more than doubles the amount of exposure discipline-wise you've had to give out in less than a fraction of the time that it has been in between the last one to the, the nearest one, your policy's probably junk. Um, it, it probably shouldn't be in existence, you know, because obviously Josh Shaw we talked about, uh, Calvin Ridley, three years later, 2022, he was suspended. That means from 2019 to 2022, there were two people. We've had six players this year that have been caught. I would say either that or it unearths a problem that the NFL had no idea that they had. And every league now, every league team is being investigated. And from what I've been reading from unnamed sources and other things, we haven't touched the tip of the iceberg yet. So it's a slippery slope. That's the first thing I'll say. But the Lions had one, two, they had Jameson Williams, C.J. Moore, Quintez Cephas, Stanley Berryhill, all four of those players suspended some of them were unceremoniously just cut right after. I believe Quintez Cephas was one of those that was cut. Jamison Williams, first-round pick, they're not cutting him. Um, they should, you know, I mean, to be fair and consistent. You, you, I've always thought this was funny, and I'm rambling a bit, but I'm going to bring it back in in a second. I've always thought it was funny how NFL punishments show the favoritism that is given to premier players because what Quintez Cephas did is the same thing that Jamison Williams did. It's the same thing that Stanley Berryhill, Shaka Tony, and um, C.J. Moore did. Why weren't they all released? Oh, because some of them are more talented than the other. Ah, okay. Well, Shaka Tony for the Commanders... Um, also was suspended indefinitely for betting on NFL games. He wasn't even just betting on the NFL facility. 
He was betting on games. My guess is he was betting that his team was going to lose. Um, but <laughs> this brings us— That's a us, safe bet. <laughs> yeah. This brings us to Isaiah Rogers. Um, there were hundreds, Monica, of bets that Isaiah Rogers did. Because he called his hundreds of bets, some of which involved the team he's playing for, that were allegedly funneled through an account without his name on it to avoid detection. He called that an error in judgment, you think? Um, Newsflash, theft is also bad, in case y'all did not know. Um, And SportsIllustrated.com had written this, and uh, this is... One of the things that we're reading about the NFL, you know, policies of gambling and everything else, but error in judgment. I mean, sure, most of his bets were below, you know, a hundred dollars reportedly, and several low four-figure bets were on the docket. But in the case that the amount of bets that he made. It's, is beyond an error in judgment. I'm going to say point. that's more than an error in judgment. And the fact that it's going into an account that doesn't have his name on it to avoid detection, mm-hmm. that that's premeditation. Yeah. I mean, if especially this is, if it's in that, you know, um, fake account without his name on it to avoid detection, that's even worse. Yeah. I mean, if this was a murder case instead of a gambling case, that's first degree murder right there. That's pre. Yeah. That's premeditation. So, um, (laughs) let me just read this last article here, a portion of the article. Again, Rogers' reported behavior alone is not enough to break this into a full-blown crisis. I disagree with that. Uh, But optically, we're absolutely circling the drain. A player placed bets on his own team and games that he actually suited up to play. The door has now been opened to question that fumble, that dropped pass, that poorly run route, that interception. Irresponsible social media users were already sharing damning clips from one of Rogers' teammates Monday before we knew the identity of the player in question, sleuthing for nefarious clues as if it were a 2017 Astros home run. Uh, Certainly, the NFL deserves this for inviting gambling into its everyday life. But I doubt it has a strategy to stop us from thinking the absolute worst-case scenario is out there somewhere. MLB recovered from the Black Sox scandal. The NBA recovered from Donaghy. The NFL had already recovered from Paul Hornung, who was suspended for wagering in 1963. It will go on, but it won't be the same again. Not when potential evidence and the ability to place a bet are right at our fingertips. And so what I want to say before we throw it to the I'm going to phrase it in a mean way because it's just what I know. The lesser sports. Um, You know, I'm a football guy. That's about it. Before we throw it to the sports that don't matter, um, when we think about gambling, what did they expect was going to happen? What did they think? I I mean, you allow for something that you literally in the policy have to list the get help line for gambling. And I, I'm a firm believer that if it has something that has um, you know, a toll-free line that is designed to help you if you get too addicted to it or if it goes too far, it's not worth your time. It's not worth it. And the NFL had to put that in their policy that they listed out in 2018, 
And since 2018, which was just five years ago, they have had, based on this this year alone, an average of almost two players a year getting suspended for it. So when we think back to the gambling and the history of sports betting scandals, I think back to what that guy said in the final part of his article, that, that dropped pass, that flag, you know, that offside. The, the moments that we're all going to, from now on, as long as this is allowed, go, T.J. Watt never lines up in the neutral zone. Why do he do that now? You know, Tom Brady never throws that pass. Hmm, why do he throw it now? Patrick Mahomes never does X, Y, or Z. Why do he do it now? And we're going to forever question the baffling moments in sports. And the NFL, I don't think they thought of this, but with as many people going around talking about how rigged the NFL is, this doesn't help that. This makes it worse. So, Monica, you're wanting to talk about some of the other sports and the history of those scandals and some of the same stuff that we've talked about from the perspective of different sports because the NFL had a a wide variety of material to realize this was not a good idea, and they did it anyway. So why don't you go ahead and talk about some of the scandals, some of the people that you know about, and we'll make comments as we go along. Before I get started on that, I did want to say when you were reading that NFL gambling policy – all I could think about is Michael Jordan better be glad he was not an NFL athlete after oh, 2018 because sure. that dude would have been suspended for life. Michael Jordan, I think, gambles like on everyday things. Yeah. Oh, he does. I think it's not impossible to say that Michael Jordan would look at his buddy and be like, hey, I bet I can get there in 10 minutes. How much are you going to put on it? Like, <laughs> I mean, okay, whatever. And let's, before we. Th- before we throw it to you, let me let me make sure, just in case anybody's listening to this. Yes, we are a Christian network in the sense that we are members of the body of Christ. We believe in the Bible, which means we believe that gambling is not something that people should be doing because there are a lot of principles out there that mean that it's not worth the risk. And we can talk about that another time. This isn't really the medium for that, but it needs to be stated what they're doing is wrong, whether it's accepted in the NFL or not. They shouldn't be doing this. But the NFL's rigid policy of saying nothing was allowed was better than the policy they've since come out with. Yeah. But at the same time, I wonder if this change of policy made them look into it more. Like, if... Because you know what you know what's said about like the prohibition era with alcohol, you know people did it; they just hit it better. You know that's people, true. I mean, I wonder if it's just being unearthed now. So going back in history, in that article, it kind of brought up some of the some of the main ones that I was thinking about. You know, one thing one that it didn't mention that I thought a lot about when I was thinking about this was Pete Rose. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, the dude, he's not allowed in the Hall of Fame because of his gambling. And I, I'm trying to remember if he did any of it on the Reds. I don't remember if he bet on the Reds, but 
he denied and denied and denied for such a long time, but everything that he, everything that Pete Rose did in his career is, you know, in question because of his gambling. The Black Sox, back in 1919, how they threw the World Series. That was crazy. They also talked about Tim Donaghy. I mean, you <laughs> you kind of got to wonder about two entire seasons of the NBA. Yeah. And the NBA is, I think, still not quite recovered from that because you have all these jokes. They're jokes, but they're also not jokes about how the NBA is scripted. Well, I mean, when you just came off, like, 16 years ago off Tim Donaghy, you can understand how you could get into that. Mm-hmm. But probably the most recent one and the one that drew my attention the most was the college baseball scandal. How, you know, the University of Cincinnati baseball staff has essentially all been fired for betting on college baseball. And then Alabama baseball's manager, he was betting during the game. He was on the <laughs> phone with someone during the game. Aren't they I mean, not allowed to have phones? They, you can. You can. It's just the communication is supposed to be limited. But he was on the phone during a game in contact with someone talking about, like, they were placing bets during a game. And then now you wonder with some of the roster that Alabama's had, how long has this guy, how long has Brad Bohannon been betting? Like, I mean, guys like, you know, Sam Prater, Dylan Smith. How did Alabama not make it to Omaha with some of these guys in the past? How long has Brad Bohannon been cheating? Well, think about this for a second. You said something that was kind of funny. Supposed to have, supposed to have limited access, which means if you don't know, as far as I can tell at least, either those numbers that you're going to be able to call have to be pre-approved or it's supposed to be able to have some type of blocker on it that prevents you from calling out past certain things. So think of the level of deception that you have to go through to even beat that, because like in in baseball, I know you got to be able to call to the dugout and call, call the to the bullpen or the dugout, right? Yeah. And tell them, you know, hey, we're ready to bring this pitcher out or to bring the reliever in or whatever. I know that that happens, but those phones aren't supposed to dial out, are they? So I mean, he, you've got to like really try to beat this. So it's not an accident. <laughs> I. And it's just, it's bonkers to me how, you know, this is, this is going to taint these guys forever. I was reading an article that was talking about, is Brad Bohannon, Alabama's former head coach, baseball head coach, is he ever going to find another job again? Hmm. And in this article, they were talking about how, Will Wade, the former LSU basketball coach, he was investigated by the FBI, and he got another job. But Brad Bohannon will 
probably never get another job because, number one, we don't know how far back this goes. And number two, how deep is it? Mm-hmm. And we will never know. So, yes, Will Wade can do the things that he did, which were very bad, and he was investigated by the FBI, but he got another chance because, in the end, I guess they didn't consider it as deep. But this gambling stuff, like, this is this is hardcore. And to what end? The end game of this is more scandals... More questions, more suspensions, and in reality, it's not the same exact situation, but it reminds me of when the NBA tried that new basketball, and everyone hated it, but they tried to make it work for like however long it was, half a season or something. It was like half a, it was like half a season. I don't think it made it through the whole season. And every player, I think at one point was like, I'm not playing. Like, I'm just not – the ball's not safe. It doesn't have the same feel. Our shots are off. Our percentages are way down. Bring the old ball back. What probably ends up happening, in my opinion, is this policy gets reneged and reverts back to the old way. But here's the thing. How do you do that if you're the NFL? Because you're trying to design every stadium to have a – you know, fan duel section and other places where you can go and bet inside the stadium on the game you're watching. Meanwhile, the players can't do it. So I've said before, I'll say it again, and then we have a few other things I'd like to cover before we go. Make sure you get to cover anything you might not have covered yet on this subject too. But either everyone should be allowed to do it or no one should. Well, there's a reason they're not going to allow everybody to do it. Because they know it's going to hurt the integrity of the game. If you let the players bet on their own games, it's just going to call into question. Well, your other policy isn't doing that now. It's not helping that either. So the thought that I had was this, from a Bible perspective at least, there's the law of exclusion. It's something that is so restrictive that it means nothing else can be done. And it doesn't always mean that what is being done is always wrong, but you exclude the whole thing to just be safe. So, for example, you know, it might be that if someone were to say, hey, if you wear a tie, that means you're a horrible person. Well, churches might go around and start saying, hey, stop wearing ties to services because you'll be considered to be a horrible person. doesn't mean that wearing a tie inherently is bad, but because of the negative connotation that it brings, you don't do it. Some Several summer camps say shorts need to go to the to the knee because if you say past the knee, it's just easier than saying shorts should come, you know, somewhere around close to your knee. There's a law of exclusion. Well, there's another option. You could just say no shorts are allowed. And yes, that works, and several places do that. What the NFL tried to do here is the first part of that where it's, hey, we're going to say what the guidelines are, and we're just going to try to police it. But you can't do it. At a summer camp with 120 kids, you could police it. You've got several counselors, several staff members. They can be looking out for this. How do you police the NFL and the players and personnel? How do you do that? You you can't. And it's not just to the teams. It's not just to the players. It's the players, the coaches, the staff of each team. And then you have the NFL personnel, the officiating crews. Like It's so much more than just a team. 
Yeah. Who polices Roger Goodell? Who polices the NFLPA? Who polices the NFL Network crew? Who polices? They can all gamble. The NFL Network crew, they can. That, that's fine. But why? And the other question I have to ask is, to what end? What does it actually do to increase the game? Oh, more people will watch because they want to know if this bet goes. Okay? And you are already, and I know that you probably agree or disagree on this, probably lean more toward disagree. Football is the most popular sport in the world right now. It is the number one sport. If football was played year-round, no one would complain but the players. No one. And the only reason the players would complain is because their bodies can't take it. That the game is so violent they can't play a full season all year long. When you're already the most popular sport, every game that you play, millions tune in and watch. Every primetime game performs very well overall in, in the grand scheme of things. You're just getting greedy. You're just trying to, to get more numbers, to get more things. Instead of actually making the game better and some of the things more interesting, you know, like improving the officiating, for one, improving the ability to know where the ball went, because you remember, Monica, when the NFL tweeted out that photo that said, oh, this close, Tyler Huntley was this close to scoring a touchdown against the Cincinnati Bengals according to where the ball was on the field, and everybody went, wait, what? How do you know where the ball was on the field? You said for years you couldn't put a chip in the ball to tell us whether a first down has been reached or not. We still have chain gangs and even index cards being put down to see if a first down's been met. Now you're just randomly saying that you have, you know, the ability to track where the ball is on the field? Instead of improving the game in those areas, which actually makes the game better and more enjoyable for us as fans, no, we've got to make it where we can make money off of it too. Because FanDuel and DraftKings and all of these other betting sites, they're going to send revenue to the NFL to play their ads and to do all of their stuff and to be the official FanDuel red zone section and all of these types of things. Just wait till we have the NFL draft hosted by DraftKings. I mean, that's going to happen. And that's the only thing it is. It's it's about money. It's about making more money for the NFL. But it's it's to me, the last thing I'm gonna say about it, and then I'll throw it back to you, it's a lot of rules for thee, but not for me. You know, I can gamble if I want to, as a fan. I'm not going to for the you know, the principle of it, but I could gamble if I want to. But the player can't. That makes no sense. It just if you if you have to have a restriction that hard, just don't do it. You got anything else to add on this particular subject? There's a lot of changes going in sports right now, and honestly, it all comes down to money. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily making the sport better. No, and it's and, not. In this, I I understand why they allowed the gambling, but I don't agree with it because I don't think it's making the sport better. In college football, this conference realignment, I get why they're doing because of money, but I don't think that's making the sport any better. Right. What would make college football better, what would make the NFL better is, 
hey, how can we make sure the playoff selection has the most integrity behind it? How can we make sure that the best teams are actually in there and that we don't just say we're going to have name recognition? In the NFL, it's how can we make the game better? How can we make it faster? I don't like baseball, but I do like the pitch clock. I think that was brilliant. Games are not as long as they used to be anymore, which means in the long run, what people don't think about, if the game's not as long, the pitcher doesn't pitch as long, which means he has more availability than he had in the season before. Because if he has to pitch on average, let's just say the average pitcher would pitch 40 or 50 times and he would sit there and he would wait. He's not resting. He's throwing the ball. You got a pitch clock. You're trying to go fast. You're pitching it quickly. The game ends faster. And then you are able to go home and rest faster. So it was a brilliant move, in my opinion, for them to add the pitch clock in there. Much like the you know the game clock is for the, the play clock for the NFL and, and college football. I love that um, I believe it's college football has just announced they're no longer going to do the stoppage for first downs anymore. They're trying to speed the game up. I love that. That's brilliant. I think that the next thing that the college you know should do is – um, I think they need to adopt more of the NFL rules. You shouldn't be down if you fall down. You should be tackled and down. You shouldn't have to just get one foot in. You should have to get two. Prepare them for the next level. Make it seamless from one sport to the other. Yes, it's faster. Yes, it's more difficult. But make the rules as similar as possible. They, you can tell the the coaches, the Ryan Day, the Nick Saban, you know, the Kirby Smart, those guys who who are really pushing their players into the NFL, you will see their guys when they make a catch on the boundary. Even in college, they're going to put two feet down, or they're going to try to at least. Right. And it might be a college in the NCAA, but I've seen some of them say afterwards, wouldn't have been been good in the pros. And so it's like, I'm not satisfied with it because it wouldn't have been good in the pros. Okay, yeah, I agree with that. Monica, what else do you have to add on this before we get into a little bit of a roundtable for just a moment? Nothing on that. I think we've pretty much covered that. It's it's crazy. It's it's all a big money making scheme, but there's more to life than money. Yep. Okay, so I have just a couple of things to talk to you about that are different from this. The first is let's get some news out of the way. DeAndre Hopkins was released, uh, and the Arizona Cardinals decided to not make him a June 1st post-cut, meaning they are on the hook for his $23 million salary this year. Now, good news for them, he'll be off the books next year, but bad news for them, they're $23 million now against the cap that they didn't have to be. Monica, what are your thoughts about the release of DeAndre Hopkins and him not being a June 1st post-cut? I think that a was a... post-June 1st cut. I think that was a bad move on the Cardinals. Yeah, for not making it post June first. Why why do you why do you not save the money? Oh I know. I mean also What is the what is the benefit? Like Yeah like the video have you seen the video that was that's been out over the past couple of days of the Cardinals GM talking with Houston's GM getting that trade done? Yep. He seems like such a like a guy with such a good head on his shoulders, how can you make such what seems like a boneheaded mistake? Yeah. Well, and that's what kind of struck me is I watched that video 
this morning or yesterday. It might have been this morning. Mm-hmm. And I was watching it. And I love that. I wish the NFL would do more of that. I want to hear that stuff. That was I so want to cool. know. That was so cool. He was, he was having like five, six different conversations. Because uh-huh. at one point he goes, yeah, for six and 86. And it's like, that's not the Texans. No. That's, oh, okay. And so you, you start to kind of piece this thing together. And then I was watching it and I was like, man, that dude is awesome. And then it hit me. That dude released DeAndre Hopkins, not as a post-first June cut. Um, yeah. That That is so amazing to me that a guy who could be so brilliant could also be so foolish. Mm-hmm. But there's another part of this that happened too. I think you might remember it. The Cardinals went to the league and said that they were upset with DeAndre Hopkins not playing the final two games of the season because he was pretending to be hurt when he actually wasn't hurt. Well, that backfired on them because the Cardinals were then called to task by several insiders for the NFL, Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, for saying, hey, wait a minute, then why'd you list him on your injury report before the game? Mm-hmm. If he wasn't hurt, why'd you say he was hurt? What do you think of that when you heard about it? Like, what what's going on with the Cardinals? They're such a disaster organization. If I remember correctly, that came out around the same time that the uh, the quality, like the team quality reports, came out talking about yeah. what, like how the how each team measured up as far as like what the players thought, and the Cardinals were far and away the worst on there. Yep. I just feel like that's just a disaster organization and their treatment of DeAndre Hopkins it and the fact that they did so bad on the team report, it uh-huh. it just all of it that is a disaster organization. Yeah. Well, the next thing that I know that happened, and I might be forgetting something, you can bring it up if you want. Oh, by the way, DeAndre Hopkins has gone and visited the Titans, and he's going to visit the Patriots next week, which is completely not what I think he should be doing, personally. Um, do you have? Do you remember what four things he said he wanted in his new team? He wanted a great general manager and coach, a great culture, and I think a great like team overall. So let's go to the two teams that have missed the playoffs the last year and both have very shaky quarterback play right now. That's that's exactly what we should do. Don't go sign with the Chiefs for less or the Bills for less or the Cowboys for less or the Eagles for less. Like how, <laughs> the Titans no, and the Patriots are not the first two teams that come to my mind when I think of his supposedly no. wants list. I, I'm amazed. Like They can't get him in Baltimore. Price wise, Mm-mm. but why wouldn't Cleveland want him? I know that they do, but why wouldn't he be saying, "Let me go back and play with Deshaun"? I know the chemistry's there, and I know they've got Amari Cooper. I know they've got a great running game. They've got a great defense. All they need is some help for Deshaun Watson. So I don't, I don't understand that. I also don't understand. I've been trying to think like what team could really use him. The the Panthers maybe. You know, like go to Carolina and help Bryce Young, go to the Falcons and help Desmond Ritter and that offense be better. Um, but admittedly, or go to the Colts even, mm-hmm. you know, and give them the true number one opposite of Michael Pittman and then let Josh Downs and Alec Pierce fight for the slot. I the- think he, I think realistically his list is he wants to be 
the guy, and he wants to make command that pay ridiculous amounts of money. Yep. Well, that brings us to the next guy, who for similar reasons was cut, uh, Dalvin Cook. Now, here's something hilarious. You mentioned this yesterday when we were on the phone planning this episode. Yesterday morning, I woke up. Dalvin Cook had been cut, and I was like, okay. Figured that was coming, trying to gear up and be ready for this episode that we were going to record because we had already planned when Dalvin Cook got cut because we both knew it was a matter of time. Mm -hmm. We would do an episode on it, and all of this kind of happened basically at the same time. So it worked out. Not for Isaiah Rogers, but it worked out. (laughs) So It worked out for our episode. Yesterday morning, I wake up. Dalvin Cook's been released. Fifteen minutes later, no, he's not been released. We're going to trade him. And if we don't get a trade partner by tomorrow, we'll cut him. But every NFL team is just sitting there going, then we're not trading for him. Like, why would we give you a seventh-round pick even for a guy that will literally be free to sign with anyone tomorrow mm-hmm. if you release him? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So as of two hours ago, uh, at the time of this recording, it's 5 o'clock on a Friday, Dalvin Cook can sign with anybody. Mm-hmm. So, I have two questions for you, and then I'll close with the picture I sent you earlier. Okay. Where does he go, in your opinion? I'll give you mine, too. And <laughs> what does the Vikings' backfield look like come September? Yeah. Weirdly... I, ever since I heard that Dalvin Cook was going to be cut, I've thought of him in a Cowboys uniform. Makes sense. That that one just seems to work, in my opinion. I mean, they're putting a lot of eggs in the basket of Alexander Madison, Dwayne McBride. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I think that I I mean personally I think that's a great idea but I just can't believe that they cut a multi-season 1000-yard rusher <laughs> I mean it's crazy to me So I have a thought Mm-hmm. I think Zeke is going to be a Viking come September. I, I think that, that the the Minnesota Vikings will say, we're going to sign Zeke. He's going to take a lesser role because he's got to take a lesser role mm-hmm. or he's not going to get signed. Yeah. But I think, Ze- I think Zeke ends up in, in Minnesota and gives them a, a spark. And it's, he's still good. He still has stuff in the tank. Mm-hmm. And I think that Dalvin Cook could end up in Dallas for sure. But I just have this feeling that he could end up in a team like Cleveland. Because if you're Dalvin Cook and the market's not great, people are talking about Miami, that's an option. Uh, You could say the Patriots are an option or the Bills or the Jets, I've heard, are even interested. But if if I'm Dalvin Cook, I look... I'm going to pull my hair out. Oh, I know. I look at Dalvin Cook and I think, okay... 
I saw how the the Browns handled Kareem Hunt's workload. He got to play a lot. Mm-hmm. I saw how they handled Nick Chubb. He got to play a lot. And Nick Chubb needed to come out a lot. I could extend my career playing one season in Cleveland and still prove that I've got it and be a very attractive option. Because I think he signs a one-year deal. I don't think he signs a multi-year mm-hmm. deal. But I also don't think it is crazy to suggest... And this is where I know I'm going to lose you. <laughs> Chicago. Ooh. They need a running back. I don't think it's a great fit for him um, no. or for them. But they need a running back, and I think they would pay a premium for him. That hurts your Roshan Johnson stock, I know. Yes, it does. But if I'm Dalvin Cook and I'm mad at the Vikings, I'm calling Minnesota. Or I'm, I'm sorry, I'm calling Detroit. I'm calling Green Bay, and I'm calling Chicago. And mm-hmm. I'm saying, what can I do to get on your team? Mm-hmm. I think that Dalvin ends up playing for a team that none of us are expecting, though, potentially. And he could end up in a, a team like the Raiders or the Broncos or the Rams or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. That being said... What if he went to the Cardinals? <laughs> you know, there's there's all of that for you, but um, that would be a disaster. It would be. Well, let's close with this. I sent you a picture. You've had time to think about it, mm-hmm. and it's it, it's kind of a la the you know the limitless pill from the mm-hmm. movie years ago, where you take this pill, this will never happen to you again. So. There's four options. The red pill is you have no bust in the first five rounds. Um, since this is dynasty, we'll just say that, like, you never make a bad pick in the first five rounds. You always hit a mm-hmm. starter. So it's not like your your redraft league, but it's it's that. No injuries for the whole season is the blue pill. The yellow pill is always having the first waiver priority. And the black pill is always setting your highest scoring lineup. What would you choose, Monica? <laughs> I don't. I've thought for a, like ever since you sent me this, I've been thinking about it. I th- oh, I'm leaning slightly, slightly towards first waiver priority because I like getting those getting those guys that nobody knows about yet, and yep. you and I think so much alike sometimes that. You've thought about them too, and it bothers me because I lose out on them, you know, a bit of the time. I have thought about it a lot too, and I would I would say it's between two. I don't – I'm not trying to brag by any means, but I think you and I would both say the red pill for me is out the equation at this point. I've, mm-hmm. I've done a good job proving I know how to draft. Yeah. So I think the red pill's out. I don't really think the yellow pill matters much to me because, like you said, I've sniped a lot more than I've gotten sniped. Mm -hmm. And so I feel confident that I don't need to take that pill and have that skill added. But where I get hurt the most is the blue and black pill. Yes. And the blue pill is the injuries. You have no injuries for the whole season. Last year, I had the greatest fantasy football season I have ever had. Mm-hmm. And injuries killed me. It's the only reason I lost. Mm-hmm. I'd sustained one too many injuries in the end, and I couldn't you, make it. You were about to go undefeated all the way through. Mm-hmm. 
And yet at the same time, I look at it and I think, you know, a lot of times if I just set the right lineup, the injuries don't matter for me either. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of torn. So I'm going to have you pick for me. You know where I stand. You know what I'd like it to be. If you had to give me the blue pill or the black pill, what would it be and why? I think it would be injury-free because historically, I think you have been beaten by that injury bug pretty severely. I mean, we've been co-owner. We were co-owners for what, like three years? Yeah. And I think it was every year something happened and you just got murdered by the injury bug. And ironically, my healthiest year was the COVID year. That's so funny. Which should not, like, the only players I lost were players that had COVID. So, I mean, like, <laughs> you can't quantify that. No. But, yeah, last year, I went into the finals against Jamison last year, missing, like, three starting running back, wide receiver, and tight ends. Mm-hmm. And, Yeah. So I, I'll take that. If I had no injuries from now on, I would feel confident because I think my lineup is really great on paper. And if we go on paper every year, every year the predictions for me are that I'm going undefeated and nobody's going to get in my way, and then I end up getting hurt, and then I get hurt emotionally. So Yeah, you um, would. no one would be able to stop your lineup. That's right. Well, to close this episode out, because I'm on vacation again until the next big thing that happens or – until August, end of August, when it's time for me to start talking about the the cuts that have happened on NFL teams and then starting it all up. Remember, you can subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms. You can go through and like us on social media. We have a Facebook page. We have a Twitter or an Instagram. 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 Mm-hmm. We have an Instagram. And you can uh, email us at goatversusgoat at gmail.com, G-O-A-T-V-S-G-O-T-E at gmail.com don't forget to catch the daily news podcast that monica seeks to put out as often as possible things can get in the way but nine times out of ten monica tries to put out a five minute or less video just detailing what happened the night before i've listened to it some mornings and just absolutely been thankful that it's there because i can just know exactly what happened and move on about my day and also, Monica has a softball podcast that she has done called A Girl's Best Friend, which seeks to promote softball and talking about all of the things that go along with softball. I'm not sure. Are you still doing that? I know that the College World Series are almost done, or they are done. The College World Series is done. I will do an upset on that, and then the professional league start up, and I'm debating whether or not I want to do one on that. And Oklahoma won it all, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yeah, it's not a surprise. No. Um, if only Montana's knee, you know, what could have been. That's true. But at any rate, until the next time that we are together, myself and you, the listener, you need to take care. But Monica, I want to throw it to you before I close it out completely. You got anything else to add before we go? Frank Clark was signed by the Broncos. That's right. He was signed by the Broncos. And now Russell Wilson will magically play well. Um, that's what they needed, more defensive help. <laughs> it was nothing offensively. <laughs> you know, 
Maybe that offensive line will help, though. I Certainly think ceiling him from Frank the Chiefs practice. was bigger than having it. Like, I think him being away from the Chiefs is bigger than him being on our team. I can see that. I can see that. Well, guys, till August. Take care. Take care.